0: So this morning, I want to start out with an excerpt from a blog of a friend of mine, and I would say she's my friend first, but she also happens to be JT's wife, Laura Meyer. (laughs) And she's uh, been writing this blog, and I just felt like it captured the essence of what I wanted to to start out with today, so I'm just gonna read this. She says, the state of our country, it's been heavy on my heart. Anybody else? (laughs) As of late, and with everyone speaking and, no one listening, our discourse or lack thereof, right, has become more and more fragmented, more and more polarized. She said, "I love the book of Proverbs because it is wisdom passed down down through the generations." And Proverbs 12:1 says, "Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but who hates reproof is stupid." Being teachable is scary, she says, and it means the willingness to say that we might not know something. It means that when you hear something on the news or read something on Facebook that ruffles your feathers or raises the hair on your neck, you can step back and actually think, hmm, I may not know everything. I may not see the whole picture here. But having a teachable heart, that's real liberation. And in this self-obsessed shouting match that is social media, Being quiet can be a bridge, and being soft can be freedom. I thought that was really well put, and I don't know about you, but if you've noticed the state of our world today, uh, especially in this country, we don't like being told that we're wrong, right? Right? We do not like it. I mean, just listen to the news, right? You listen to the polls, you listen to the the marches, you listen to uh, Facebook, any kind of social media. We don't like being told that we're wrong, that we've made a wrong turn, or that something in our lives actually needs fixed. And we might live in this constant reality that we're not what we want to be, but man, we are really good at telling ourselves that we are still really good people. In the light of even our worst mistakes, we still have a really good heart, right? Right? I'm not, I'm not arrogant. I'm just confident, right? I'm not abrasive. I'm just straightforward with people, right? I'm just straightforward. I'm not gossiping. I'm just warning you. I'm warning you. I don't drink too much, come on, no. Like, I'm, I'm just the life of the party. Everyone expects me to drink, right? These are the rationalizations that we give ourselves because correction is not something that we run to naturally, right? Being wrong is not something we like to feel and or run toward at all. Well, we're doing this series right now called Life with the Spirit, and, and today I wanna talk about our awareness or the sensitivity, the correction that comes with the Holy Spirit. And not just when we first come to know Jesus, right? Not just in our conversion, but in our lives as believers. He brings us this constant awareness, sensitivity, and conviction. So let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here today, and and God, I know, I know the truth that you are with us, but I I just ask for more of you. God, I just say yes to what your Holy Spirit is doing here today, and I partner with that, and I say yes, God, more. Would you soften our hearts? Would you help us to uh, be willing to listen to your Spirit today? Would you help us to have teachable hearts and to not just push back with rationalizations and with denial, but to actually be open to the goodness that you have for us, which is just the truth. God, help us to see that, that seeing the things that are wrong or seeing the truth is actually not a bad thing. That it, it actually points us more toward a connection with you and more freedom in our lives. Holy Spirit, come. Would you give me your words today, God? Give me your strength in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, last week, Michael started us off. If you guys haven't listened to his message, it was really good, I'm just saying. I really enjoyed it. It was the intro to the Holy Spirit, um, to our series, and I thought he did a great job. And there's a few things I just wanted to highlight. Uh, he started off, where he had this verse that he uh, included, which is John seven thirty-eight through 39. And it says, Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him would later receive. And, and this is a great place to start, right? Uh, if you haven't listened to it, like I said, please go back and listen to it. It was a great, great message, good starter for this series. And for us to know that we all, as, as we have said yes to Jesus in our lives, we've said yes to his presence in our lives, we say, God, you have our lives, we get the Holy Spirit, all of us do. It's just not for the super religious people, you know, like people that happen to be up here or (laughs) people that lead your small group. It is everyone. Everyone has access to the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a great place to start. He also says that this is a relationship. Uh, This is a relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. And it's a partnership, which means that it's not just a one-way street, right? Right? Holy Spirit isn't just pouring stuff into us all day and night, and we just go, this is great. No, there's something we have to do, right? It's a partnership, a two-way street, and he said that our job is yielding and submitting to the Holy Spirit that indwells us. It's really just saying yes to the Spirit's leading. That's a great just place to start for this morning. So things really began to change. Things really began to happen. You see the Holy Spirit move when his people say yes to him. When you see his people submit to what he's doing and and partner with what he's doing, things start to happen. You see more of his activity, not only in your life, but around you for others as well. But what we know is that the world says, what the world says is very different from all this. The world's wisdom when it comes to how to change things in your life, how to have impact, how to have any kind of source of power uh, in your life is what? It's you're good enough. Just believe that you are good enough, right? You just don't believe you're good enough. You need to believe in your goodness, right? Another thing they say is just try harder. You have to will it to happen. You've gotta make a plan. You've gotta stick to the goal. You've gotta repeat these things to yourself every single day, right? Other things they say, there's hope for change within you. There's hope for change within you. You just have to look inside of you. You have to believe the best in yourself. And and there's this great book called Souls in Transition and it, it talks about the spiritual state of young adults in America. And for those that are in their 20s and early 30s, um, one of the statements made in this book is that many young adults denied the feeling that they had any regret about their past decisions or behaviors or problems. And the author and his team interviewed hundreds of young adults, many of whom had really depressing histories and lots of current problems, but they had insisted that the past was the past, that they had learned their lesson, and they said that even their mistakes and the wrongs that they had done was just part of the growth and the process. They were happy enough, they were happy even though they had to learn things the hard way because it helped them become who they are now. They feel that admitting wrong would actually somehow diminish their worth or their value. They didn't want to live under this pile of guilt anymore, so their way of dealing with that pile of guilt and that pile of hurt was that they just said, they rationalized it away and just said, it's part of my growth, it's just part of who I am, part of my story. And this is part and parcel right alongside of the older psychological literature out there that rejected any discussion of real guilt and of real conviction and of sin. They would, they, the psychologists, many of them, see guilt as just neurotic. That's just stupid. Why would you ever have guilt? You need to not have guilt, right? And a discussion of sin was seen as psychologically damaging. A discussion of sin, which is interesting because if you have a discussion of sin without the presence of God or the hope of forgiveness, what is it? It is psychologically damaging, <laughs> right? Because it's, it's really hard to feel that, that pain of your own sin. And, and there's this trend against, and you, I mean, if you've read any bestsellers in the last two years, you've read these books. There's this big trend against guilt and shame and conviction and feeling bad about what you've done. And modern psychology says you need to do away with all that. You just need to do away with all that. And some of these books are actually really close to the truth. And some of them are just outright denial that you should have any shame or guilt in your life at all, that it's just all bad, just get rid of it. And what I, if anyone knows Oprah, you've probably heard of Dr. Phil, right? And he says this, um, he, he will tout this, you know, this phrase a lot that you just need to love yourself more, you need to forgive yourself more, you need to find yourself, you know, thing, things like that. And this is a quote that he has. He says, forgiving yourself is the key to your healing. Forgiving yourself is the key for removing the roadblocks that are blocking your path to reaching your potential and living living your best life right now. (laughs) Sounds like a book title. Living your best life right now. And that's Dr. Phil. And I want to get out just on a limb uh, and use a visual aid for the first time ever because I feel like it demonstrates this quote really well. And Michael made mention of this. He said, you know, um, even that class, the equipping class, Hearing God's Voice, he said, you know, when we... When we sinned, we first sinned, we, we broke the connection between us and the Father, us and God. <clears throat> and so what the world does is say, okay, what's the solution? What's the solution for us? We don't know Jesus. We don't know the truth. So what are we gonna do? And what they do is just like what we do when we have an office. Just think of the stuff that you have in your office, like a, a monitor and a um, computer, a light, I don't know, really expensive pencil sharpener, I don't know, um, whatever you'd have in your office, and you think, okay, I need this power strip, I'm gonna plug them all in, you plug them all in, right? A Couple of your things that you need to, to have power. And then you say, okay, well, where's, where's the outlet? You can't find an outlet anywhere. I'm like, well, that's stupid. Like, wait a minute, I know where another outlet is. Look at that, there's an extra one right there. Right there, whoops, I'll just do this. And we stick the plug, right here, and we think this is the answer, right? That somehow inside of ourselves, we're gonna find the power to forgive ourselves. We're gonna find the power to love ourselves and and to know ourselves more, right? But how's that working for you, as Dr. Phil says? How's that working out for you? Because what we find out is that we actually have very little impact on lasting change in our life when we just turn to ourselves as the power source right? What do we have to do? We got to plug ourselves into Jesus. We really have to plug ourselves into the power source. And the only way that we can do that is reconnecting ourselves with Jesus, saying yes to Jesus. And when we accept him into our lives, we get plugged in. By the grace of God, we get plugged in. And by the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to have change, to recognize the things in our life we would have never recognized if not for the Holy Spirit in our lives. The source we need for forgiveness and lasting change is the Holy Spirit. But the world doesn't know this reality. They don't know this reality. They can't see what we can see and and, and that it doesn't work. There is a source outside of ourselves that we know we need to rely on, and that's Jesus. And if not for the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't know this. We wouldn't know this at all. So I wanna go ahead and open up to our passage for today. And it's in John 16. And if you don't have a Bible, we have some on either side of the stage. And if you're weird about coming forward, we have some in the back too. And if you don't have a Bible, I really encourage you to take it with you as just a gift from us. <clears throat> but I want you to open up to John 16, seven through 15. And this is Jesus talking. I'm gonna actually open up here. Okay, but very truly I tell you, and he's talking to his disciples, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people don't believe in me. And about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak his own words, but he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come, and he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Now, this passage is uh, literally days if not hours, before Jesus goes to the cross, okay? So when you're in your last hours, and if you knew, okay, I'm dying here in the next couple of days, what would you talk about? It's 4th of July weekend. Isn't the weather great? No. (laughs) We wouldn't small talk, would we? We would talk about the things that really matter. We would talk about the things that are really important. And what Jesus does here is he talks specifically to the disciples about the Holy Spirit. And the fact that they're going to receive the Holy Spirit soon. And they, they need to have their eyes wide open. Get ready. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And this is what he's going to do. And so this is really important. Jesus thinks this is so crucial for them to know this. And what he's saying here is that without the Holy Spirit, there is no remedy for spiritual blindness and there is no hope for lasting transformation. Okay? No remedy for spiritual blindness and no hope for lasting transformation. He's saying, It is for your good that I leave. And I'm sure the disciples are thinking, Why is that good? You you you're, you're everything. You 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 you're the one I we follow and we trust and and you're going to save the world and and for them I must that must sound really confusing. But what's so interesting is that we as believers now we have more insight and understanding than even the disciples had in that moment because we have the Holy Spirit. And that's pretty incredible. I mean, a lot of times I think about, like, wouldn't it be cool to go back in Jesus' day and sit around the campfire with the disciples and debate who's the greatest in the kingdom, which they were literally doing days before this, you know? (laughs) They just never got it. But it's because they never had the Holy Spirit until after Jesus rose and went to the right hand of the Father. He brings awareness and sensitivity and conviction. Conviction, I just wanna clarify as well. Conviction, we have this bad connotation of what conviction means, don't we? It, it sounds like a judgment, right? But you know judgment's not carried out by the jury, judgment's carried out by the judge, right? And the jury's the one that actually gives the conviction. They choose, you know, what's, what's truth. And really that's what it is. It's, a, it's, it, it's con- to convince with solid, compelling evidence especially to expose. So conviction is not judgment. Don't think of it as judgment. Think of it as exposure. Conviction is just exposure. And Jesus is saying here to the disciples, this is a really good thing. This is a really good thing. Because if not, for you understanding and being aware of the reality, you wouldn't know that you were lost you wouldn't know that you're headed in the wrong direction you wouldn't know when you've taken a wrong turn if not for the holy spirit coming so we start off in this world with broken compasses right <clears throat> we're always kind of like veering this way you know it's never like where it needs to be pointing and we're we're born with broken compasses and we're spiritually blind and we're totally off course and Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And and I want to share a a testimony from Chuck Colson and and he kind of describes his first time of of realizing that he was a sinner. And he was President Nixon's legal advisor at the time of the Watergate break-in, okay? Watergate, you've heard that? So he's the guy kind of behind it all. And uh, he was the master of dirty tricks and political sleaze. This guy was the epitome of that. And he actually speaks about his conversion and, and his understanding for, for the first time of his sin in his book titled Born Again. It was about the night he came to realize that not only he was wrong, but that he was trapped in his own sin. His friend Tom Phillips tried to explain to him how to accept Christ, but this is what Colson said. He said, I was totally baffled. I was tired and I was empty. I was sick of the scandal and the accusations. I was sick of the way I was living, but never once did I really see myself as a corrupt person. I didn't see myself as a sinner through and through. Politics is just a dirty business, I thought, and I was really good at it. And what I had done, I rationalized, wasn't a whole lot different than the usual political maneuverings I was just doing what the other side was doing. But that night when I left Tom's house and I sat alone in my car with my own sin, not just the dirty politics, but the hatred, the pride and the evil and the lust that was so deep within me. It was thrust before my eyes. And for the first time in my life, I felt myself to be thoroughly unclean and the worst of all, trapped. I knew I was headed in the wrong direction. Do you know that actually that's the definition of sin? That it's simply that. It's just heading in the wrong direction. Heading in the wrong direction. And according to scripture, we're born like that. We're born with our backs toward God. We're heading this way, and God's in that direction. Now, some of us have walked slowly away from God over the course of our lives, Some of us have slowly walked away from God in certain areas of our lives. Some of us have put the pedal to the metal and we've raced for the hills. Uh, But the trajectory is always the same, right? It's always away from God. And if followed long-term, what we need to realize is the result will actually be utter alienation and eternal separation from God our Father. Sin is heading in the wrong direction. And and this is what the Holy Spirit does, not just for the first time believers, but for us as well. He turns the lights on. (laughs) He turns the lights on and he makes us aware of our current state of our lives. If not for the Holy Spirit, we would never see how flawed we are and the truth of how much we need a Savior. How much we need a Savior. And for those of us that know Jesus as our savior, we also need to remember this other reality, which is called repentance. Because repentance is turning around. <laughs> it's turning around. It's something, sometimes you discover that you're driving and, and you're in the wrong direction. You're going the wrong direction. Instead of going north, you're going south, and you're 20 miles away from where You should be, have anyone ever done that on the loop of 270? You know, you're like, wait, I'm going toward West Virginia? What? Where am I? <clears throat> but repentance isn't just saying to yourself, huh, I'm going the wrong direction. It's not just an awareness. Repentance is a decision. A decision that you make to get off at the next exit, to go across, go across the highway, turn around, and head right back in the right direction. You find that exit ramp, and you call that exit ramp confession. Confession. And then you cross over the top of the highway, and that crossover is called God's grace. God's grace. And he gives you that opportunity and that privilege to turn around. And then you get back on the highway, and you head towards healing and restoration, and I know a lot of us have said this before, but I'm, I'm so off course. I am, I am so far from where I should be. What's the point of even turning around, right? I'm just so, that in this area of my life, I feel like I'm so screwed up. What's the point? I'm always gonna be like this, right? That's the enemy, that is so the enemy, trying to keep us stuck, going the wrong direction. But it does not matter how far off you are, you can always turn around you can always turn around, amen. And for those, of, for those that don't know the truth and they see the weight of their sin for the first time, it can be a really heavy weight. For those that, that finally see it for the first time, there's some of us have been living with it for a long time, but there's some that when you finally see it for the first time, it feels heavy. It feels heavy. It can feel like, like sadness. You just feel sad almost like a father just saying like, oh, this is not what I have for you. This is not what I have for you. Or you can feel this battling going on inside. There's this, this ripping apart going inside of you or, or there's this real clear black and white like distinction in your mind that I'm choosing the other direction right now. But what's so sweet about the Lord is he's always always inviting us and pointing us toward the solution, which is Jesus's forgiveness, his forgiveness. And in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, we get off that on-ramp, off-ramp, and uh, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen. The way that we become a Christian is we confess our sins to God and we repent and we receive God's forgiveness and his cleansing from all the things that have weighed us down for years, for years. The backpack of regret. Anyone been carrying that one? (laughs) The backpack of regret. The shame of past sins. The fears that have stopped us time and time again. The choices that we've made that we've just convinced ourselves is just the way I'm made or just how it's always going to be. The justifications, the rationalizations, the weight that comes crashing down on us when we realize our sin isn't there for long because Jesus is always right there. Because the thing we forget is we think that it's just us reveling in our own muck But what you don't realize, what we need to remember, is that actually that was the Holy Spirit. So that means he's right here. He's right here. It's him that reveals to us our sin. It's him that reveals to us what we're doing that's that's in the other direction than God. So he's right there. And he never leaves us alone. He's always there with his presence saying, I want to forgive you. I want to forgive you. I want to wrap my arms of acceptance and grace around you right now. I want to take that heavy load right off your back and put it at the feet of the cross, right? Put it at the feet of the cross. Do you know God as someone who utterly and completely accepts you? He accepts you. That's grace. We don't deserve this kind of acceptance. We can list a mile long the things that we have, that, that we could put in that backpack that say that we're unworthy, that say that we should, be, we should be cast away from God's presence. But he says, no, you're mine. You're mine. You're my child. And I died for you. And I died for every single thing in that backpack. I died for it all. And forgiveness is yours. I love this, this verse. This, this, his kindness leads us to repentance. I love that. Because when we get a picture of of the goodness of God, when we see what he's done for us, we have no other response than to say, yes, I need that. I need you. Out Out of kindness, we are led to repentance. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. This is a loving, loving father. I will never leave you or forsake you. I forgive you. And I will not abandon you. I will not reject you, and neither do I condemn you. I do not condemn you. Timothy Keller, it's a great quote, and I've, I think I've used it before, but it's so good, I'll just use it again. The gospel is this, he says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And yet, at the very same time, We are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That honestly, I don't think we'll ever truly grasp until we get into his presence in heaven. The love of the Father is so amazing. It covers everything. And the second point I want to talk about when it comes to what the Spirit reveals, what he makes us aware of, is the truth. The truth. And it becomes our compass Okay, it becomes our compass in life. And verses 12 and 13, he says again, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, Jesus is talking to his disciples here and there were things that they would never understand until they had the Holy Spirit. They would never understand. The truth would come alive for them in a way that was just a gift. It was just a gift of the Holy Spirit. And without him, we do not see things correctly. We don't see the truth correctly. We don't know how to navigate this life. Amen? I don't. Without God and the Holy Spirit directing me, without the compass of his word and of other believers, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where the heck I was going. We can read scripture, and without the Holy Spirit, we just don't get it, do we? Has anyone ever remembered, like, before you were a Christian, you'd read the Bible, and you're like, okay, this is really weird. It's, like, totally irrelevant. It's dry, and it's boring. And then you, you become a Christian. You, you say yes to Jesus. You invite him into your life, and you happen to open scripture for the first time, and it's like it's in living color. And, like, it comes alive in a way that you're like, what? I didn't know that was in there. I mean, I still to this day. I open scripture and I'm like, whoa, that like, whew, that's good. And I've heard that verse numerous times, but he makes it come alive. He makes it come alive. And and if you haven't, as a Christian, if you haven't had the word convict you or even the Holy Spirit convict you recently in the last couple of years, check your pulse, to check your pulse because it is it is, when you, when you look at the word, when you read the word, when you, when you say yes to Jesus, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you wanna say, say to me, I'm, I'm open to because I know you love me and you want the best for me. There, there's gonna be conviction. There's gonna be exposure that he does because he wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. He wants you to walk in more freedom and in more power. And so conviction is part of this. But another way that the Holy Spirit reveals his truth to us is through other fellow believers. And uh, as I was preparing this, the Lord kind of spoke to me and he's like, hey, Heather, last time you preached, you, you uh, shared a story, but you didn't actually tell them what it was about. And I want you to tell them what it was about. And I shared about a friend of mine who actually convicted me about something and she's my best friend now, and uh, she just called me, called me out on the carpet. It was like first like couple months we knew each other, and she just called me out. And she's like, I see this in your life, and that's just not cool. And I never said what it was, and I felt like the Lord said, go back there, and I want you to share what that was about. So more transparency. <laughs> uh, so I was walking the track with my soon-to-be best friend, but we were just acquaintances at the time. And she was asking me some sincere questions. Like, how are you really doing? And, and how's your walk with God going? And, and, you know, good quality person if she's asking those kind of questions. And, and I literally, this is what I said. <clears throat> I was like, oh, I am just so good. I am so good. Uh, God is so great. I just love him. He's just so faithful. And, and I, you know, I can't complain. There's just so many wonderful things that he's doing in my life. And, and it's just been a really great experience being here. And I just blah, 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 blah. And she looks at me. And she goes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't just poop sunshine and rainbows all day long. She's like, seriously. And she called me to the carpet, and she's like, what is real in your life, Heather? What, what's what's the, the thing that you're going through that that's, God's inviting you toward that is hard? Not just the good stuff, but give me the real stuff. Because it can't just be sunshine and rainbows all day long, Heather. And I'm like, what? You don't know me. Uh-uh. Because I prided myself, funny enough, at that time, uh, to as being like a really authentic person. And I was a really honest person, but I wasn't, I wasn't. And if not for her correction in that time of my life, I wouldn't have made the turn, the turnaround with my walk with the Lord. And, and it took me deeper with the Lord. It took me deeper because I started to look at myself honestly in the light of scripture and honestly in the light of his presence saying, you're right, God, I don't have it all together. And if I really thought about it, yeah, there are a lot of things I struggle with. It isn't just sunshine and rainbows, but it was my way of kind of coping with and pushing away and rationalizing the junk in the world, the junk in myself. And another person that's done this in my life is my husband, Adam. And when I was dating him, he didn't realize this at the time, but he, was, he, was, he never had to say anything to me. He was like this living conviction. And every time I get around him, I'm like, oh, I, I am just, I have a lot of work to do. And I knew this was the guy for me. <laughs> like, yes, he's going he's to double me. He's going to make me a, a better person just by living around him. And he has. And and one of the things he he did when we were first dating was he went through some really hard times. And I remember him talking to me about it. And I just, I'd never heard anything like it before. And he said, you know, I'm going through this really hard time with the Lord. And, and he was sitting there in this You know, guilt and this, just this hurt and this pain with the Lord. And he would just keep talking about it. And he would keep talking about what the Lord was saying to him there. And it was just like this dark and and depressing. It felt like this dark and depressing and heavy kind of time with the Lord. And I'm like, that's not right. And I started preaching to him. As I was dating him, I was like, oh, you need to get out. You need to believe in the promises of God. I mean, he's so good. You know, get yourself out of there. That is not where he intends you to be. You know, he wants you to live in abundance and joy. And here I am going right back to, <laughs> to my old ways. And, and he goes, no. He's like, don't preach to me. I'm like, "Who?" And he said, don't preach to me because this is actually in the presence of God. I'm not here by myself. Just woe is me, self-pity. I'm here in the presence of God. And he's doing a work on me. This is good, and I'd never heard that before. I'm like, what? Like sitting in your, in your pain and sitting in your, your grief of your own sin and, and your hurt, you're sitting there with God? Is that not weird? And it just transformed the way that I started to think about my relationship with God. Again, another layer was exposed. And and I can't tell you now how many times in the last 10 years God has used those places of pain and those places of guilt and shame as, as some of the most impactful moments in my walk with Christ. I have met him there in ways that were so, so wonderful and so sweet. I would never trade that for anything. The praise God for just sweet people around me that were willing to call out stuff in me that wasn't right. There was something more that the Holy Spirit was inviting me toward that I was blind to. And he showed me, he showed me the truth. So the last point I want to say in this passage is that the Holy Spirit reveals the glory of Jesus who is our true north, right? He's our true north. And when we come to Jesus, that's when, boing, we finally know, okay, this is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. And in verse 14 through 15, he says, he will glorify me because it, was, it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy, the Holy Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit does, is he takes what you know about God up here it's the facts, the understanding, even the theology. He takes even the word, right? But he takes your understanding of Jesus here and he makes it alive here. And there's a lot of churches out there that still believe that this is where you're supposed to have the relationship with God and only here. And they never make the, the, the scary like, journey down here and invite the Holy Spirit and say, God, this has to be more than me just believing that you're good, I wanna wanna know that you're good. I wanna experientially know that you are God. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Like Isaiah, like Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament, when we behold and experience God for who he truly is, we see ourselves for who we truly are. And all we can say a lot of times is, woe is me. (laughs) I am undone because I'm a man or a woman of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the the Lord of hosts. You know what glory means? It means weight. (laughs) It means importance. It means brilliance and beauty. It isn't just believing about Jesus in a general way. It It is this importance and this preciousness, and it becomes alive to you in your inner being, and it actually changes the way you think. It changes the way you feel. It changes the way you behave. This is how we start to experience lasting change. Lasting change. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus real to us. It's a real relationship. This is not just this set of beliefs that that are dry and irrelevant and don't mean anything and don't make any impact. This is a real relationship that we have with Jesus. He enables us to get to know and experience Jesus so that everything about him informs everything and affects everything we do. Everything about him informs and affects everything we do. If we look at verse eight again in this passage, it, it says, prove the world to be wrong about righteousness because I'm going to the Father. And When I first read that, I tripped over that and I said, What? Prove to be wrong about right? What is that? I don't get that. And as I looked into it more, what I realized, it was talking about the world and its righteousness. And the way the world does it is you have just, what we talked about earlier, you've just got to make it happen. You've just got to will this to happen. You've just got to work harder and try to be a better person, right? But that is not God's righteousness. It's not his righteousness at all. Jesus says in early chapters of John, he says, I'm sending you another advocate which is the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the first advocate and the Holy Spirit is the second advocate. And when God sees you, he sees Jesus. If you're in a, a courtroom and you have a really stupid lawyer who looks stupid and who acts stupid, what do you think that judge is gonna think about you? But if that guy is slicker than anything and he sweet talks that judge, and <laughs> that's even creepier to me actually, but if he is Jesus and Jesus is standing there in the courtroom and God looks at you, you know what he says? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You're like, I have a backpack full of things that I could say right now. Should I keep my mouth shut? Jesus is like, I've got that. I got that covered on the cross. That, now Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees you through the lens of Jesus. You get accounted, what gets accounted to you is what gets accounted to Christ. That's that's crazy amazing. Christianity isn't about us trying harder to be a good person. If you come out of here and you feel this weight on your shoulders, like, I gotta just do better, then you've missed it. You've missed it. God's blessing for you is that he is your perfect righteousness. He is your perfect righteousness. And it's all about you just saying yes to Jesus, I trust you. And simply because I trust you and I'm learning about you more and more and I'm saying yes to you more and more and because I've accepted this extravagant grace that you've given me, I get to now walk out of here with freedom. I get to walk out of here with a light load. My burden is light because of you, Jesus, because of what you've done for me. The Holy Spirit gives us the greatest gift when he comes to us and it's the gift of sight it's the gift of this awareness. Yes, conviction. The truth of what God wants us to do in our life, the plan for our life, the purpose for our life, the truth of the word. He reveals to us who Jesus really is. We get to experience him for who he really is. And without any of that, we would never know that we have this loving father who longs to be with us, longs to be with us always. So praise God. Praise God for the Holy Spirit and what he has begun in us and what he will complete. He will complete in us till he returns. Amen. Well, I want to finish today with just a story of my own conviction because I feel like it's, uh, I can't talk about it unless I've lived it, right? (laughs) And I have, And I never knew that this was a reality, and I hope that this helps you and gives you some hope as you leave here today. But at the heart of my some of my deepest sin struggles was this belief that God was not good, that He would never give me what I really longed for. And so I took things into my own hands and I relied on myself and my own desires and my wants and feelings to guide my life. And I was a Christian. I was chained to sin in a way that I would have never admitted, but one night in confessing to a trusted friend, I started to uncover by the Holy Spirit the reason why, which was this lie that I believed that God really wasn't good. And I remember we we prayed numerous times because we felt just this really dark presence outside of the car that we were sitting in. And and now as I look back, I can realize, you know, the enemy did not want me to find freedom that night. (laughs) He did not want me to see what the Holy Spirit was enabling me to see in that moment. And it was that I believed this lie that he was not good. And because I didn't believe that he really had my best interest in mind, I chose to go the other way. I chose to take things in my own hands and do it my own way. And from that moment on and from realizing that, I remember I was sitting in the car and, and it, was, it was dark. It was like late at night. And, and I remember just seeing this row of houses and they were all dark. And as I'm talking to my friend and I'm confessing and I'm realizing, oh my gosh, this is why, why I believe. This is why I, I always struggle. And, and this light came on in one of the houses. And I'm like, did you just see that? Did you just see, it? look at that. That light just, just came on. And I remember it was the Lord just sweetly reminding me this did happen and you do have freedom. <laughs> and what's so sweet about that moment was that as I walked past, or as I walked through that, and I, and I asked forgiveness to the Lord for what I had done and what I had believed, the lie that I believed, there was this freedom in my life I had never experienced before. And I had, it, it was like sin was not my master anymore. It didn't have this weight and hold on my life. It wasn't like I was constantly tripping in the sin, and, and, I, and I had this freedom like a freedom to choose. And yet, what does that mean? When temptation would come knocking, I still had the freedom to choose, right? Even though I was free, even though that sin, I had uncovered the roots and I had become freed from that, I still had the choice. I still had the choice to, con- to go back. But just like the prodigal son, I mean, just think about the prodigal son. What, it, what he did to take his life in his own hands, I want my inheritance now and I'm going to go spend it the way I think it's better spent because you're not really good. I've, I've got the better plan for my life, right? And that's how I was. And he went off and he squandered it all. And when you see the slop that you're living in, when you see what sin is doing to you, when you start to see the damage and the effect that it's having on your relationships and on your life, you realize, I don't want that. And then you you decide to go just with your head bowed, and I'm gonna just maybe maybe my father will accept me as a slave, you know? Maybe he'll just employ me as one of his slaves. And what does that picture show us? The picture of the prodigal son, of the prodigal father, and his extravagant grace. That that dad was waiting. He was looking for him. He was longing for his return. And when he came back, he didn't just say, sure, you can be a slave. He gave him a ring, he, re- he showed him his identity and he put a, a robe of, of riches on him and he threw him this big party and, and that's the acceptance that I felt. And when you start to, to, to really experience that kind of acceptance of God, when you, you experience that kind of freedom and that kind of forgiveness, you don't want that slop anymore. Instead of just changing your actions, it's changing your desires. I actually want good things now. I don't just do bad things, but I want good things. His character is becoming my character. He's changing me from the inside out because his kindness leads us to repentance, amen? The message isn't today that you need to do better, that you need to stop sinning, or that you need to stop doing those things, okay? It's it's that you need to receive the help of the Holy Spirit today. And that's what God is offering us. Like Michael said last week, with the Holy Spirit's help, I will. Because we do not bear this burden alone. We do not struggle alone. Not only do we have good friends and good community and and our church to rely on and to help us as we walk toward Jesus, but with the Holy Spirit's help, we can find freedom. We can find freedom. So why don't we stand, and we're just going to enter ministry time right now, and uh, Olivia is going to come up and lead us in one last worship song, and, and this is our time to just say, okay, God, what do you have to say to me? Holy Spirit, would you reveal to me (laughs) what you want to say to me today? And and so I just want to start with just some silence, just some time of waiting on the Lord. And I want you to listen, listen for what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you. And maybe he's saying, good job, well done, good and faithful servant. Maybe he's bringing up something he wants to reveal to you. So we're just going to wait in his presence for a moment. Holy Spirit, come. as I was preparing for today, I uh, had this song that came to mind, and the Lord's done this numerous times, if you've heard me preach before, and it's not funny to me anymore, because I'm like, seriously, God, songs every time, and I think it's funny, because it means I have to be vulnerable, and as I was wrestling with the Lord as to whether or not this was from Him, Olivia actually came up to me last night, and she said, I had a word and she even spoke about it during worship today. She's like, I had a word and I wanted to share it with you and see if it you know, resonated at all. And it was right on target with what God wanted me to do. And I was like, yep, that, that's him. And so I to to share this today. Olivia had the word of extravagant love. And she said there was a person that that knew of the extravagant love of God, knew of it, and and you saw everyone else and felt like it was it was deserving for everyone else to experience this extravagant love, but that that the extravagant love of God wasn't for them. And for some reason, their pain and what they've gone through and events in their life have stopped them from receiving the love of God. And when I heard that, I, I just laughed to myself because this is the song that God brought to mind. And I, don't, I haven't been to any malls lately. I don't think I've heard this song lately. I really tested this with the Lord, but when Olivia said this, um, I knew this was him. And this is a song about unrequited love, and it's about a woman who won't ex- receive the love of this guy. Okay, I'm gonna try to sing it. Oh, vulnerability, okay. <clears throat> You can sing along if you know it. He is everything you want. He is everything you need. He is everything inside of you. You wish you could be. He says all the right things at exactly the right time. But he he means nothing to you and you don't know why. And I felt like that was specifically for some people here tonight that have just felt like God's love's for everybody else, but for some reason, I just, I never get to experience God's love. And so tonight, or this morning, or this morning, if, if, if that resonates with you, that's, that's not because of this, you know, because I said something, or because Olivia said, it's because of the Holy Spirit. He's stirring something up inside of you, and he's saying, yes, I want to give you that extravagant love. And sometimes it's just all, the, the partnership with the Holy Spirit looks like this. We just say, okay, one step toward God. That's it. It's so simple. It's never, it's never easy, but it's so simple with the Lord. He just wants us to receive what it is he has to give us. And he wants us to say yes. And I also just wanna just invite you, if, if, you know, for prayer this morning. If, if you feel like there's anything physically that you've been struggling with, um, that's just been I just felt like it was, it was really a stumbling block for you this week. Just getting through your week has been hard because of this physical ailment. And if that's you, we are a church that believes that God heals. He heals. And maybe it's the same person. Maybe you have something physical and you feel like, you know, I don't experience the love of God. Well, maybe he wants to do both today. Maybe we should expand our expectation of what God wants to do and, and say, okay, God, Give me the faith to say that you could do this for me. So if any, and if, if those words um, speak to you today, if, they, if anything that I've said today is stirring up inside of you, I just encourage you to, to receive prayer. And as Olivia leads us in one last worship song, um, I'll come back up in a little bit and I'll uh, just close us in some prayer, but I, I just invite you, just come forward now. Does anyone that senses that, that this is something they need to respond to today, And we're just gonna have someone come alongside of you and pray and bless you and invite the Holy Spirit to come. So anyone, feels like those words, especially any kind of physical healing, will have someone pray with you. I know that the Lord longs to to bring more healing and freedom into our life. It's the goodness of our God, so come forward. And and if we could have people pray, um, women with women, guys with guys, just come alongside of, of those who come forward tonight or this morning and, the,
1: and just bless what God's doing. As children, we come with arms open wide. So desperate for so in need of your life may our praise fill your ears may our cries touch your heart because we need a presence to change who we are so we spirit
0: fill us. Would you fill us this week as we go out from here? God, would you give us more of your presence? Lord, we need you. We need you to come and just release the burdens from off our shoulders today and and walk with us. Help us to say yes to partnering with you, God. Mm, I just speak blessing, blessing over everyone here. And God, I pray you would go with them. Your presence would be so evident. God, you would be made real to them through your Holy Spirit this week. Praise you for what you've done here and what you've showed us today. Let it remain in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen.